what's coming to mind is something around slowing down is you don't have to do it all right now. Take your time, create a, create a reasonable timeline and, and, you know, and, and do it right instead of do it fast. Are you ready to hear business stories and learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and level up your business from awesome CEOs, entrepreneurs, and founders without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresh values your time and is ready to share with you the valuable info you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO Podcast, and I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Jeremy Pollock of Pollock Peacebuilding Systems. Jeremy, it's great to have you on the show. Good to be here. Thanks, Gresh. Definitely. Super excited to have you on. And before we jumped in, I want to read a little bit more about Jeremy so you can hear about all the awesome things that he's doing. And Jeremy is a leader in the field of workplace conflict resolution and peace building. He is the founder of Pollock Peace Building Systems, an international conflict resolution consulting firm. Jeremy is a master coach, master trainer, mediator, and author. He coaches and trains executives and employees at a variety of levels, industries from Fortune 500 companies to major nonprofits. Jeremy is a regular contri contributor on the leader topics of leadership and organizational conflict management to publications such as Forbes.com, Fast Company, Industry Week, and many, many more. He is also the author of the recently released book, The Conflict Resolution Playbook, Practical Communication Skills for Preventing, Managing, and Resolving Conflict. Jeremy, great to have you on the show. Are you ready to speak to the IMCO community? I'm ready. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So you're the one that keeps the peace in all levels of our life and business that it sounds like. So um, to kind of kick everything off, I, I wanted to rewind the clock a little bit here, a little bit more on how you got started, what I like to call your CEO story. Yeah, sure. I'm, I, I've been a, you know, an entrepreneur for a long time, a serial entrepreneur, I guess you could say. I've had a lot of different businesses. Um, I, I started, I guess, my I always kind of track back my conflict uh, resolution start to my martial arts background. I was a martial arts instructor and then I had an academy and a couple of academies. Um, I started a coaching practice during during that. So when I was when I was teaching, I actually started doing some personal coaching for some of my students. And I liked that so much that I ended up selling my my uh, my, my martial arts company and I just went and uh, was a full-time coach for a while and eventually got really interested in helping people resolve conflicts. I was doing that sort of organically with you know, couples and then some business owners and between business partners and stuff. And I thought this is an interesting field. I want to kind of get more into it. So went back to graduate school and got a, a degree in master's degree in conflict resolution and peace building. And then I launched my consulting firm and uh, and just started, you know, kind of marketing myself as a conflict specialist. And, and it grew from there. So that's I guess that's the nutshell. Nice. I appreciate you sharing that. And, and so funny that you say that because I'm, I'm a big believer in, um, in in learning a lot from activities and sports. Like there's so many like lifelong skills that you can kind of learn from doing sports and having that. So I love that that the seed was, was planted from the martial arts background because it's something that you can use, as you said, in so many different ways in your life. Yeah, I saw a lot of parallels between what I was doing in martial arts and helping resolve conflicts. I mean, that's like, you know, one strategy to resolve a conflict is to defend oneself, right? But th there's a lot of other strategies. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was interested in. How how do we do verbal de-escalation? And that was where I first started. And then into, well, how do we actually do some more like sort of general de-escalation and conflict management, conflict resolution? So it, it really did stem from that, that first interaction with conflict and peace at a very physical level. Um, and then came came the mental side of it. 
Yeah. And I imagine they both probably go, you know, hand in hand as well. But I think that as you, you know, said so well, I feel like so many times when we think of conflict, we think of defending ourselves, we think of yeah. kind of lashing back out. It's always like it's just one way. So I love that you have that kind of full range and you help so many people understand that as well, too, it sounds. Yeah. You know, and I, one thing that I, I was I I didn't know early on, but I started recognizing that there are there's a lot of creative opportunity in conflict and and really the most amount of change happens with conflict. And it doesn't, I don't necessarily mean interpersonal conflict. I mean, intrapsychic conflict. You know, when we are in conflict with ourselves, that's a catalyst for major growth and change. That's really the, the only major catalyst for growth and change is when we start feeling like something's wrong, then we change, we grow, we figure out what's wrong. I mean, so in that, and that's the same thing that happens at an interpersonal level. It's the same thing that happens in an inner group level, which is what we can see now in society. It's the same thing that happens at an inner organizational, interdepartmental level. So conflict has a lot of opportunity. And really, so for me, it's like, how do you, it only has that, it only, the, the opportunities can only be capitalized on if you manage it correctly, mm-hmm. because it can also be destructive. So do we want to be creative with the, with the, with the conflict, or do we want to be destructive? And if we want to be creative, we have to learn the right skills and tools. And that was what I was interested in. Yeah, that's so powerful. And, and I appreciate you sharing that, you know, so much and the the kind of uh, synergies, I guess, with, you know, conflict and, and opportunity. And as you said, so well, only if it's managed correctly, because I think so many times when there's that conflict, you feel, we can feel like we shy away from it, or it can be something that's catastrophic. But knowing that there's another side of the coin, so to speak, where it is something that can be empowering, if you understand it and are able to, to kind of, um, I guess, manage it well is, is something that's extremely powerful. So yeah. um, I wanted to drill down a little bit more. I know I touched on it a little bit, you know, when I read your bio, could you take us through a little bit more on how you uh, kind of use those skills and help out your clients and help support them? Yeah, I mean, we we offer, uh, I guess, three main buckets of services. Uh, so we do conflict interventions. And that means one of our experts, uh, we have a, a whole range of different, what we call our peace builders, our consultants and experts, um, come into a company and assess the situation and do a variety of different techniques, whether it's coaching, dialogue facilitation, maybe some training, um, group coaching, uh, restorative practices, different types of methods, basically, which is all encompassed in our organizational peace building work. So we do basically their interventions. Hey, you're having a conflict either between two individuals or two departments or this group of people, and we're going to come intervene and, and help um, at some level to get you back to a place of cooperation and peace and, and how to move forward productively and, and rebuild trust and rebuild a relationship. So that's one bucket, the conflict intervention bucket. We also do uh, training work, which is a very preventative bucket. Uh, so, you know, de- especially leaders, but, but really a whole staff learning de-escalation skills, learning conflict management skills, learning, you know, basic leaders, leadership mediation skills. So training is another one and then coaching. So one-on-one coaching, some group coaching, um, that's that can be both preventative and and uh, responsive to current conflict. So those are the three three main buckets is in terms of what we we do to help uh, companies. Yeah, it's huge, and I think it's definitely something that's you know insanely empowering. And so I, I wanted to ask you for what I call your secret sauce, and this could be for yourself personally or the business or a combination of both. Uh, but it's something that you feel like sets you apart and makes you unique. But I almost wonder if that kind of perspective, the mindset that you see related to conflict, might be the thing that kind of sets you apart. Uh, it, it's, it certainly could, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think a lot of conflict practitioners also practice that mindset. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I think that's, I think it's unique among business leaders for sure. A lot of business, that's why we have work because a lot of business leaders 
don't want to deal with conflict. They don't like it. They don't want to. They don't want to look at it. They want to pretend it, it doesn't exist, and, and maybe it'll go away and that kind of thing. So certainly that. I, I think the other thing that I always talk about is how, how do I put care first in all of my relationships, professional relationships, um, you know, personal relationships. There's there's always going to be challenges to solve. There's always going to be uh, problems to figure out. But if if I'm not putting care the care for the people that I work with, that work for me, that I work for. If I don't put care first, um, I, I think I think I'm I'm living in short-term world. I'm living in how do I solve a problem, and that's very short-term thinking. I think if we if we put care first, how do I care for this individual, and then get to solve the problem? Uh, that I think that's a more long-term way of looking at things. So I so so me like maybe that's something that sets me apart is how, how do I put care first, care for individuals. Yeah, absolutely. And that's also a perfect blend for a secret sauce. So I appreciate you for sharing yeah. that with us. And um, I wanted to uh, switch gears a little bit. And I want to ask you for what I call a CEO hack. So this could be like an app, a book or a habit that you have, but what's something that makes you more effective and efficient? Um, I, I mean, I mean, maybe this is obvious, but 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 I don't see a lot of people doing it. Um, one on ones with my direct reports. So so having that personal time and during those one on ones, those are not me reviewing them. That's the, them reviewing me. I ask, what could I be doing better or different? What could the organization be doing better or different for you? Uh, making sure I, I understand what are your goals? How can I or the organization support you in getting those goals? Even if it means your goals aren't here. If you're, you, wanna, you wanna end up moving out, out of this company to something else, how can we support that career growth? Goal, growth? So for me, it's one-on-one -on -one meetings and really being there, you know, practicing servant leadership. How can I, serve my my workforce because they are the, the biggest asset that I have. Without them, my business doesn't run, essentially. And so um, I wanted to ask you now for what I call CEO nugget. So this could be a word of wisdom or piece of advice. It might be something you would tell a client or if you happen to a time machine, you might tell your younger business self. I, I, what's coming to mind is something around slowing down is you don't have to do it all right now. Take your time, create a, create a reasonable timeline and, and, you know, and, and do it right instead of do it fast. Mm. That's extremely powerful. And you know what I love? I love how it ties into what you talked about before about conflict, because I think people might be listening to this thinking, how do I, you know, flip that switch so that I change and I look at conflict as something that's positive and negative. But I think it's so many aspects in business, but definitely in conflict, if you notice that you may not have, or you might have a negative uh, focus on conflict, but being able to kind of change that, it doesn't happen overnight and to slow down and to take it step by step is a great way for that to happen. You're absolutely right. The and one thing that I when I train in these skills, it's like this these kinds of things are hard. I'm still learning. I'm still trying. I'm not good perfect at it. And this is what I do for a living. So don't think that this is going to change overnight. Don't think you have to be perfect right away. Just learn little by little. And over a year or two years of like learning this stuff, it'll start to become second nature and a little bit more like just just you know habit rather than having to really put a lot of effort into it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that nugget. You start to, to be able to, to work out that muscle and then you start to get and, and see your improvements in the progression and, and related to everything that you're doing. So yeah. definitely appreciate that. And so now I want to ask you my absolute favorite question, which is the definition of what it means to be a CEO. And we're hoping to have different quote unquote CEOs on the show. So Jeremy, what does being a CEO mean to you? Uh, I think from, to me, being a CEO means to, to lead through support. To support my team, you know. So I, so my my job is not to dictate. My job is to support 
all these different people in doing what they're really good at. I can't do it all. They're better at it than I am in, in certain areas. And I'm going to support them in whatever way they need support to get their jobs done. So really a, a, from a support or like, again, like that servant leadership type of perspective. Yeah, it's so funny you said that. I, I was actually thinking back to when you were mentioning that servant leadership and being able to kind of, you know, create that culture and that environment. I think it's absolutely huge because I think, um, I think there's a saying like, even if you can do all the things, don't try to do all the things. That's what, you know, teams are for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and in order to win and be successful, you have to be able to kind of learn and, and create that culture, that environment to support yourself, but also the team members so that everybody can kind of excel and succeed. What, one of the things that I learned early on that I learned the hard way, and it's something that I see in new CEOs and that I try to help them with is learning to let go of the reins. Mm -hmm because you're used to doing a lot of stuff and you think you know it all. And eventually you start to need to bring on a team and you need to find the right people to lead the right departments. And you have to start letting go and trusting that they're doing their, their job correctly. Man, oh man, when I did that, it was hard because it was, it was I, and there was conflicts that arose because it was so hard for me to let go. And when I finally let go and I just trusted, I said, I trust you, go do it. Everything went so much more smoothly. And I, re, and I started realizing every time I start putting my toes in someone else's lane, it's just, it's, it's not only creating conflict between me and that person, but it's, it's making the whole company more inefficient. So just stop, do, do my job as a CEO is to support my team and let everybody do what they're really good at, which is heading out their departments. Yeah. So yeah. I love that. And it's so counterintuitive because so many times we think that in order to maintain control, we have to hold on to everything. We have to have not just our toes, our feet, every part of our body in every single lane we can, but really it's, it's allowing and creating that supportive environment for people to excel and to flourish in the things that they do and the gifts that they have. And I think that's a, a great reminder, you know, for leaders and CEOs uh, to kind of get to that next level. Yeah. I, and I, the, the other thing I would say is one thing that I noticed with new CEOs is, um, a lot of CEOs are visionaries, right? And that's great. And that's what a CEO sh should be on some level. As a visionary, they, they lead the direction on a high level. But a lot of them are not operations people. And so if they're not operations, I, so I, I often act both as CEO and COO, and, and just because I, I seem to be you know decent at it. But I think that a lot of CEOs need a partner who's a COO or an operations person. And that person becomes the glue for the staff to make sure people are communicating well and everybody's kind of aligned and doing their jobs and stuff because the CEO a lot of times as a visionary is, is they don't have any operational foundation under them. And so the things they're creating, we're not opening up a space for, for that stuff to actually, to actualize. So I, I would, I would highly recommend if you're not a really organized, you know, high level operational person, find someone who is and partner with them or, bring them on as like a, you know, a director level COO or, or operations director. Yeah, I think the having that vision and like you said, the systems, the processes, those things that are in place to kind of see the vision come to fruition are yeah. so necessary. And to have either or like we kind of talked about the solutions um, and, and not having the, the caring part, uh, it, it makes it a lot harder to kind of reach that success. So Jeremy, truly appreciate that. And I appreciate your time even more. What I wanted to do is just pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional that you can let our readers and listeners know. And of course, how best they can get a hold of you, find out about all the awesome things you're doing, and of course, get a copy of your book. Sure. Yeah. Would, would love to connect with anyone uh, that I could that I can help and, and that we can serve. So uh, my our, my company's site is pollockpeacebuilding.com. And uh, my, my book's called The Conflict Resolution Playbook. You can get that on uh, Amazon or other booksellers. 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. And to make it even easier, we'll have the links and information in the show notes as well too, so that everybody can follow up with you. Uh, but thank you so much again, Jeremy. Truly appreciate you and all the awesome work you're doing and from helping us start to flip that switch between seeing conflict as something that can be an opportunity. Um, I think it's empowering for everybody in so many different walks of life. So I appreciate you for the work you do and I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast powered by CB Nation and Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. IMCEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Don't forget to schedule your complimentary digital marketing consultation at blue16media.com. This has been the IMCEO Podcast with Gresham Harkless Jr. Thank you for listening.